0: continue in First Peter, chapter number two is where we're going to be. Matt was there last week. We've been there for the last couple of weeks um, in First Peter. And so particularly, I want you to grab your Bibles, turn to chapter two, verses four through 12 is where we're going to be. Now, it's important for us to remember as we get started here that Peter is writing, as Matt reminded us last week, to the churches throughout the, the diaspora. That's a fancy word for the Christians who are dispersed all over the world, which means very simply that this letter that Peter writes is for us okay? It's for Christians all over the world. It's for us as well. This includes us. This letter is written for us. And the overarching thought here that Peter is trying to get across is this idea that you are not the you that you used to be, right? You are different. There is something different about you. We are different than we used to be. This thought actually permeates throughout the entirety of the New Testament. You are not you anymore, right? Galatians tells you are a new creation, right? You have been born again. You have been changed. Peter's saying that in these, in in the first really chapter and a half that we've looked at so far. Uh, You are different. It is clear to us that we have been born into God's family. You are new. You have been made new. And, And even though, as Matt reminded us last week, we feel the old us pull at us continually You are not that way anymore. You are different. You are a new creation, okay? You get that in your mind, okay? And I need you to remember that as we walk through today because that's important for our time this morning. You are not the old you that you used to be. That matters, okay? And so as we walk through this, that's the idea. I want you to kind of just file that away in the back of your mind. And so we find ourselves today, chapter two, verses four through 12. I wanna read through the verses this morning. And then what I wanna do is look at just really just a few ideas Out of these verses. Okay, good with that? Yes, no, eh? If you do this, I'm just gonna keep talking. Okay, good. All right. I like the thumbs up back there, Saliga. That's great. So 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4 As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ, for it stands in Scripture. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Verse 11, beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, They may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes? Pray with me this morning as we get started. Father, we love you. We thank you for this day. Father, we thank you for the privilege to be here, the privilege that it is to open your word together. And so, Father, as we go through this morning, just for the next few moments together, I pray that you would speak to us. Father, I pray that we would learn more about you, Father, that we would learn more about ourselves, Father, that you would really ultimately deepen our affections for you and deepen our affections for your word. Father, help us to leave your chains. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so I need to give you a disclaimer kind of as we're starting off here, okay? And the disclaimer is this. There is so much to unpack in these verses of Scripture, I'm just not going to get to all of it. Okay. And I need you to be aware of that. There's just, there's like 13 different ways that you can go in this passage. Matt didn't really give me uh, uh, some lanes to run in. So I'm just going to do whatever I want to do, if that's okay. And then the other 12 lanes that you can look at as you walk through first Peter chapter two, you guys can deal with those on your own. Okay. There's commentaries I can give you. It's just so much. Honestly, if we were doing this in a small group setting, I would probably take weeks just on these passages right here. But for our time this morning, There's some ideas that I want to look at that I really hope that you can take with you as you go that'll kind of help you, as you're going through the week, try to think through what we're talking about this morning, okay? Help you walk through your week. So here's the goal. Three ideas, okay? Three statements, so to speak, uh, that I want you to consider. uh, And and in those three statements or those three ideas, I'm going to break this passage of Scripture down into three chunks, okay? Which is a super technical term, right? Three chunks of this passage. You with me? So chunk number one that we're going to look at starts in verse number four, and it deals with this statement. Really, it's a statement of who we are, okay? Okay. Who are we? Who, who are we are? What does that mean as we kind of walk through this? And so if you go back to verse number four, uh, you kind of see Peter, I'm going to read the passage for you. We're going to go verse four, really kind of through the beginning of verse number nine. And you see Peter right off the bat say, as you come to him, there is an expectation as you walk through second Peter chapter number two, and really as you walk through the new Testament, that you are going to come to your father right? Matter of fact, if you look back a couple of verses, Peter says that, that we are going to come to him like infants, right? So you take like my little baby, uh, Sarah, okay? You guys, everybody know Sarah? When Sarah comes to me, what's my response to her going to be? Yes, darling, what can I do for you? I'm going to pick her up. She likes to come up to me all the time and say, hugs and kisses, hugs and kisses. And so what am I going to do? I'm not going to turn her away. I'm going to give her hugs and kisses, right? Don't you come up to me. That's not going to help you, okay? <laughs> Um, but that's that. So you're almost approaching your father like a baby, uh, Dad. I need you, Dad. Talk to me, Dad. Pick me up, and that's the the kind of gist that Peter is saying here. So as you come to him as a child approaching a father, I want to read through these and I want to show you in the first kind of chunk of scripture here that you have value. Okay, who are you? And I'm going to answer it this way: You are valuable. You have value as a human being. Peter uses the illustration here of living stones, okay, that God is really using to build almost a spiritual house. No two stones are alike, but we are all being molded and we are all being put together to become more like God through Jesus Christ. Look back at verse number four. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, But in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves are like living stones that are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ, for it stands in Scripture, and then Peter stops and he uses three illustrations, right? He goes back into, there's two of them from Isaiah and one from Psalms. He says, "'Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious,' And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. This is Peter talking about Jesus, okay? He's talking about Jesus. This is the illustration here. And he says, Jesus is the cornerstone. He's precious. He's chosen. He says in verse number seven here, so the honor is for you who believe But for those who do not believe that the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, they stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. You are valuable because you are a stone. You are like a stone that is being molded, that is being modeled after the cornerstone. You have been assigned value. So who are we you are valuable. You are literally part of the materials that God is using to build his kingdom. Think about that. You have a role to play in the building of the kingdom of God. And if you're not experiencing what that is and what that looks like in your life, and you've never really had anybody talk to you about that, we want to talk to you about that. What that looks like to be a part of the kingdom of God. What that looks like to be a part of the stones that God is using to build up his kingdom. Think about for just a moment what God gave up so that you could be a part of his kingdom. You have infinite value to God. When the world tells you that you're nobody, when the world tells you you have no value, when the world tells you you've got nothing, you can look back to 1 Peter chapter 2 and say, that's just not right. That is not what the scripture teaches me. That's not what I know to be true. I am valuable. So this first chunk of scripture, uh, really verses four through the first part of verse nine, shows us that we have value. There's a second little chunk, it's a lot smaller, that shows this idea that we are chosen. Okay, so you have value and you are chosen. For the purpose of our time this morning, I'm gonna substitute the word accepted. Okay, you are accepted. We're accepted by God, He has chosen us. Peter writes in verse number nine that we are a chosen race. You see it? You are a chosen race. He says it back earlier uh, in. in Uh, verses four, really, it's in verse four. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. That that precious is valuable. You are chosen by God. I want to read you an excerpt of something I read this week by a guy named Rick, uh, who wrote about this idea like 10 years ago. Here's what he writes. He says, Eugene Peterson paraphrases, you are the ones chosen by God from nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. Most of us spend our entire lives trying to earn acceptance. We seek it from our parents, our peers, our partners. We seek acceptance from the people we respect and the people we envy. Our desire to be accepted influences the kind of clothes we wear, the kind of car we drive, the kind of house we buy, and even the career that we choose. Why are we so driven by acceptance? Because we love the feeling of acceptance. We love to know that someone has chosen and accepted us. Remember playing baseball as a kid and dividing up the teams. Mine was kickball in Arkansas. I played kickball, right? You guys play kickball? I'm giving you the, what it looks like to, for me to play kickball. It's not good. It's not pretty. But you remember uh, dividing up the teams, and usually how this worked in my school is the two best players were chosen as the captains, right? And you were thinking, man, I hope I get chosen by this team because they're going to be the winning team. And if you're chosen by that team, you remember how great it felt to be chosen by the best player. And on the other hand, if you're like me, you remember what it felt like to be chosen last. It's like, oh gosh, right? Uh, If you were ever the captain, you know, you're like, okay, well, I guess I'll take Toby, right? (laughs) I'm sorry. My bad, Tobes. I love you, Toblerone. You're the best, buddy. So how bad it felt to get down to the last two or three and you're still not chosen. When you're chosen, when you're accepted, it It really serves to raise your self-esteem. Listen to this. Even with our disabilities, character flaws, shortcomings, insecurities, for me, immaturities, God accepts us as we are. You're accepted. You're chosen. He invites us home. No conditions, no restrictions. He chooses us for his team. You don't have to get cleaned up. You don't have to get stitched up. You don't have to be made up to be accepted by God. You are accepted. You are chosen. You have the ability to experience that, okay? Remember, it's, it, we're approaching God. You already are this. You are accepted. Do not let anybody tell you that you are not valuable and that you are not chosen. You have been chosen by the Most High God. And that matters for us as human beings. We need that. This, this should really serve to lift your self-esteem. Now, there's gonna come some things that you gotta do here in just a minute, okay? We're gonna get there. But right now, I need you to know who you are. You are valuable, you are chosen. This third idea in this first chunk of scripture is this idea that you are set apart, okay? Back to verse number nine. But you are a chosen race, a royal royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, okay? A chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. And I want you to think about with me just for a minute what that means. You have been set apart by God, chosen by God, given infinite worth by God. No matter what the world tells you, no matter what you may believe, Peter is reminding us of the truth that you are special. Not because of what you've done. God is the one that chose you. God is the one that sets you apart. God has set you apart for something that we're going to look at here in just a second, but you are set apart. This is who you are. Okay, so there's this kind of statement that's been running through my mind this week as I was thinking through this, and it's, you guys know like an if-then statement? You know what I'm talking about when I say that? So if we, then we, and what does that look like? This is that, okay? There's an aspect of that that's going on here. If we are who God says we are, the second chunk of scripture we're going to look at is what does that mean? If we, then we what? If we are set apart, if we are valuable, if we are uh, 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 chosen by God, if we are accepted by God, then we should what? And this is the second chunk of scripture. It's in the back half of of verse number nine. Look at it. He says, Peter writes, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And that right there, folks, I think is the thesis statement of everything Peter's writing here, right? Matter of fact, if you look at the entirety of 1 Peter, that may be the thesis statement for the entirety of the letter, Right, That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. It's almost like an if-then. If we are all of these things, then we are to proclaim the excellencies of our Father. Right? If he has done this, we are to do this. And the idea here is evangelism right? It's a fancy word for you should be telling people about Jesus. You have, you have a responsibility if you are all these things. If you already are, then this is what that means for you. You should share God. You should share what God did for you. This, you should share to everybody that you come in contact with that God is so amazing. He's so mighty. He's so loving that he made us all of these things, and now I can't help but share it with the world right? Note that one begets the other. It is not an idea that you are supposed to go out immediately and share everything that there is to share about the beauty that God did. You have to first understand the first part. The second part doesn't happen easily for you if you don't understand the first part of who you are, okay? So who you are is you are valuable, you are chosen, you're accepted. You, you, you are set apart for these things. And so as you begin to understand that and as you begin to kind of internalize that in your life, the natural outflow of that, Peter is saying, is go share with people. Go proclaim the excellencies of God. This should get us as believers fired up. We were dead We were dead in our trespasses and sins, according to Ephesians, right? We were headed towards an eternity of death and suffering, but for the work of God. And this is the great news, right? This is the beauty of who God is. He saved us, and now we have that message to go out and share with the world. So if we are, then we should. You see it? You with me? If we are, then we should. If we are saved, if we're chosen, if we're valuable, if we're set apart, then we are commanded to share the goodness of what we have experienced, so now the last kind of chunk, the last question is the idea of how. How are we to do that? What does that mean? So if, then, how do we? You with me? If we are, then we should. How do we accomplish that? And Peter answers that for us kind of here in this third chunk of Scripture. Right? How do we live this out? What practically are we to do with this? Okay? Let's look at verse number 11. It says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation, right? I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against you. It's almost as if Peter is saying, because of who you are, because of what you have been called to do, these are the actions that you should take. And he says it. Don't give in to your sinful fleshly desires. Keep your actions right and honorable. This is back to the holiness conversation that Matt's been in for the last several weeks, right? It's, uh, Peter is my spirit animal. I'm going to tell him that one day when I see him. Um, yeah, P- Peter is, it's almost like he's just saying, stop, just stop. Just do what you're supposed to do. Just be holy. Now, he's explained to us for the last few minutes here there's a process to that, okay? Um, but Paul teaches us this in Romans as well, it, right? He, he, it's because you are who you are, you have the ability to do the other things, right? It's because what God has done for you, it's because of what you've experienced going from death to life that you even have the ability to accomplish the how that you see here in the back part of this passage. Don't give in to your sinful, fleshly desires and keep your actions right and honorable, Because if you do this, Peter teaches us, you will be able to glorify God, which is really what our main task is. Is it not, church? To do everything that we can to allow everything that we are to bring glory and honor to our Father who has saved us. So three chunks. Who you are, what we're to do with that, and how we do it. You are perfect you are valuable. You are chosen. You are set apart for the purpose of spreading the beautiful message of who God is to a world that is in desperate need of knowing who they are and that they are valuable and that they are chosen and that they are set apart. How do we do it? We do it by living lives that show people that, you know, what we're different. We're not the same. So here's my goal for the next few moments together before we end. Is I want to take some time this morning and I simply want to ask you, how are you doing with this? I've had asked myself this multiple times this week. How am I doing with this? How am I doing with keeping in mind? uh, You know, I I told y'all the last time I preached was I think back in June about some anxiety that I've had for the last year just because of some things that happened in my life. How am I doing in my own life of reminding myself that I'm enough? Not because of me, not because of what I've done, but because of the God who saved me. So how are you doing reminding yourself that you're valuable in a world that tells you you're not? How are you doing reminding yourself that you are chosen, that you're accepted? How are you doing reminding yourself that you're set apart for the purpose of sharing God with everybody that you come in contact with? So here's what I want you to do. Take a moment. I want you to bow your heads. I want you to close your eyes. Caleb's going to play. And I want you to take an inventory, and I say this every time that I get a chance to speak to you, and I'm going to say it again. Don't lie to yourself. It's easier to lie to yourself than it is to lie to anybody else. Don't lie to yourself. I want you to consider, how are you doing? I'm the world's worst at running myself down. Are you? So take just a moment and just take an inventory. Father, I need so often to be reminded that I am valuable. And Father, my guess is there's people all over this room this morning that need to be reminded that they are valuable. Not because of what we have done, Father, but because of what you have done. And so as children, we come to you with our arms in the air asking, God, help us to know that we are valuable. Help us to know that we are a part of what it is that you are building. Help us to know that we have been accepted by you. And because we are those things, Father, help us to live our lives in such a manner that you will get the glory in everything that we do. And that is our prayer this morning. Father, be with us. It's in Jesus' name.